Amen, amen. You know, I like to study the life of Jesus because there is great power in that. Get to know Jesus personally. What a gift. What an amazing opportunity that we have as children of God. Jesus' miracles especially, everything in his life was a miracle basically. But if you read and you meditate on the miracles he did and his earthly ministry, it can reveal to you the glory of God and and give us insight into what God wants um, wants for us, wants us to know about him, wants us to know about what we have in him. Amen. His power in our lives, which we've been talking about at great length. And that power, of course, is not anything of our own doing or making, but it is by agency of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus adds the super to our natural, in other words. Amen. In John chapter 6, I'm going to read a little bit to you about one of the days that he spent in the life. And we're going to see how it applies to us. Um, <clears throat> Jesus had been ministering all day to a group of people, a large group. And... Um, It got late, and Jesus, they wanted to, his disciples, they wanted to um, have Jesus release these people so that they could go and find food. They were out in the wilderness. They had followed him out and just been engulfed in the word and his message. And and, uh, Jesus did something interesting. He, I'm going to, I'm going to. Find a good starting spot here. At verse 5 of John chapter 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, we shall, Where shall we buy bread for those people to eat? Well, we've been talking about the fact that when God asks a question, whether it's the Holy Spirit or the Father or Jesus... It's uh, it's not because they don't know the answer. Amen? Yeah. I use the example when God said, where where are you, Adam? It, it's, he didn't lose Adam. Adam lost him. Amen? And so when Jesus asked the disciples, he asked Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He wanted, he was trying to solicit a faith response. He asked this only to test him. As a matter of fact, it says so right there. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite. So we we couldn't even get an appetizer for all these people here. There's over 5,000 people plus women and children. And so he said, man, you know, 
we, we couldn't, we couldn't, it'd take a lot of money to buy just a little bit. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. So they're just, these aren't loaves of bread like you buy in the grocery store. These are just little, little, little loaves that they put this, this boy's sack lunch, okay? Five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that space, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. He did that quite often. You know, Proverbs chapter 3, a familiar passage of Scripture, verses 5 and 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, one version says, acknowledge Him. But I like the, the NIV, it says, submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. In all of our ways, we should acknowledge, we should submit to whatever the Lord says. And it will make things a lot easier. These disciples, I want you to picture yourself there with them. They've got these multitudes, I mean, massive amount of people, right? And they're out in the middle of nowhere, and he wants to feed them. And the disciples, like we do, when we get into a jam, we look around, we see what we see, and based on what we see, we start reasoning in our minds based on the situation, the natural circumstances. Amen? <laughs> and when they did that, they dismissed Christ. I mean, they were dismissive in their minds, in other words. Because basically, when he said, you give them something to eat, it, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense, so they just ruled it out. When things seemed impossible, they just ruled it out. But that's not what we should do. Especially based on all the examples that God has given us to look at. Just like the leper who said, Lord, if you are willing... I can be cleansed. And he said, I'm willing. He reached out and touched him and healed him. Now we don't have to ask if he's willing. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. Now we know he's willing. So if we ask, it's really unbelief. Amen. Or oh me. <laughs> when we think... Since things are impossible, 
we need to remember God, don't we? Because nothing's impossible with God. We shouldn't turn off our reasoning. We need to, I mean, we should turn off our reasoning as far as worldly things go. But I guess in the other sense, maybe what I was thinking was the scripture where God says, come let us reason together. So, in the reasonable sense that, see, when Jesus is talking a lot of times, and in the Bible, you see it, you have to understand spirit, soul, and body. Otherwise, you'll, you'll misinterpret. Lots, lots, you'll think the Bible contradicts itself. Sometimes we're talking to the spirit man, who, which is how God identifies with us. Isn't that what he told the woman at the well? God is a spirit, John four twenty four, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, my words are spirit. So that's what we mean. We, when, when, when God looks at you, he sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. He sees your regenerated spirit, man. That's who you really are. The one you can't discern with your natural senses. And he's trying to get you to work that out. When the hurt and the healer collide. See, your soul is where you have hurts unforgiveness and bitterness and disappointments and all of those things. Doubt and unbelief. And he wants you to come into agreement with that spirit that always believes God. It's always filled with peace, love, and joy. And when when your when your soul and your spirit, your regenerated spirit, <laughs> touch, then your body will conform. It'll be two against three, two against one, you see. <laughs> but the soulish realm, the mind and will and emotions, your personality, which has been programmed wrong and is now being renewed in your mind as you're discipled in the Word, is coming into agreement with the Spirit man in you. The Holy Spirit came in, renewed your spirit, and sealed it. That part of your salvation is over. Just like Christ. And now your soul is the conduit between your spirit and the natural realm. Your body and your mind. Amen. That's why we focus so much on the spiritual person that you are. In God's eyes, that's who he sees. Everything else is just hindered by the lie. Of the enemy, of the world, the corruption, the wrong mindsets. That's why Paul beseeches us. I'm begging you. I'm, I'm asking you, please, by the mercies of God, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. Renew your mind according to the word of God. Amen. So when we come to uh, critical situations in our lives, and all of us do or have or will, we need to, to do what Jesus did. He's always our example. Recognize the need. Realize that we seek God through scriptures and godly ministers or time alone with God. But realizing that God loves people. And God is good. Good God, bad devil. Just get that straight. God's not the one that's going to, oh, I'm going I'm to put hunger and starvation on those people just to teach them a lesson. No. 
So it was his will, of course, that they be fed. Would you feed your children if they were out there? Of course. That would be your priority. You know, you might be hungry, but first, hey, man, I, I got to feed Maddie. I got to take care of her. Well, God says, you, you being evil love to give good gifts to your children. Nothing personal. He said it to all of us. How much more your Father in heaven? In other words, I, I, I love all of you way more than you love each other or yourselves or even your own children. We need to keep that in mind. We need to be rooted and grounded in love because without that, everything else, faith worketh by love, you see. And we're called to a life of faith. Well, how can you call it faith if you're not starting from the right place? Your motivation, you might turn faith into a work, you see. Recognize the need. Seek God's will. Pray according to his will. Being thankful. Mark eleven twenty four 24, 3 and 24 says, When you pray, believe that you have what you pray for. When you pray, and you shall have it. So, right when we pray, according to God's will, we give him thanks for it, don't we? Because we know it's done. And it's done just the same way where all your peace, love, and joy are. In the spiritual realm. And it's coming. You just stand firm in believing. Amen. Remember our holiness. That scary word. It's just walking in love. It's walking in agreement with the word of God. So it's not trying harder. It's trusting longer. That's it. That's all patience is. Prolonged faith in God. Amen. So you, you, you recognize the need, you seek God, you pray according to his will, you give him thanks, and then you head in that direction. Amen. Faith has feet. Tavana was here, she'd be saying, faith has feet and lips. Faith speaks. Faith. James said, without works, faith is dead. In other words, if it's real faith, it's going to compel you to do something. Not doing something to earn something. Doing something out as a byproduct of that relationship with God. Motivated by His promises, His Word. No, this is what God says. That's the truth. Not this. Not what I see. Not what this is going you know, not what this bank account says. <laughs> That's a lie. God's will that I be in good health and prosper even as my soul prospers. When is your soul prospering? When you believe it. Amen. So there's a correlation there, isn't there? Because we know that although God has provided all these wonderful things for us, He wants all the wonderful things for us. We need to know that. I don't know that. I think that's where the biggest problem is. We're not rooted and grounded in love. In other words, even when preachers preach that, I think they're they're saying, uh, "Love God more. Love God more. You're not loving God enough." And we're like, "Oh, I give up." <laughs> you see, condemnation. No. The Bible says we love him because he loved us first. 
we're motivated to love him. I mean, you can't help but love him when you realize how much he loves you. How deep and wide and high. Endless. How nobody can snatch you from his hands. I love all those comforting things, he says. That he hides me in the shadow of his wings. That's a safe place to be. Right in the cleft of the rock. Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then, what did Jesus do after that? I mean, he, he, he prayed, he, gave, he saw the need, he prayed, he knew it was God's will. He gave thanks for what he had. And then started serving it. Who would have the courage to do that? That takes faith. There's 10, 12,000 people here. I got this much food. Thank you, Father. Let's, let's get everybody fed. <laughs> and then there's leftovers out the kazoo. Look at that. That little kid went home with all that food. His mom was like, what? <laughs> I gave a little offering and God gave me a hundredfold return. <laughs> fed his family for a month. Amen. And then though, Wonderful, beautiful miracle of God. Jesus didn't harp on it. He didn't take off, you know. Oh man, check me out. That was awesome. Slapping high fives. Nothing. They came to him. They saw what he did. They were freaking out. The people were loving that. You know, it's like everybody always wants to see something. Whether it's a fight or a miracle, you know, they come running. And what did Jesus do? He went and got away from all that. We have to forget not only our past mistakes, but our past victories as well. Not forget them, but move on. God is a God of the future, the present and the future. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. You know, you, you've been changed. We keep talking about that. I'm like, you quit, Christians need to quit presenting themselves to the world as, a, as something or someone that God has patched up and made better. Because then, that's why they think it's, Christianity is based on behavior modification. It's not. The behavior modification is a byproduct of the relationship that you've entered into. The fruit, not the root. You're, you die. You're born again. You're regenerated. Brand new person. So, we keep getting drugged back down. Well, we don't want to act too high and mighty. Everybody reminds you where you came from, what you did, who you are. Oh, you were one of us. What are you trying to be special now? So what do we do? Instead of just taking the persecution and moving on, a lot of times we just try to fit in a little better. Blend in. Let me ask you a question. How many butterflies do you see hanging out with the caterpillars? (laughs) 
Look, I'm just going to skip back over to Mark real quick, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. It's another thing Jesus did here. And uh, not the beginning of chapter 4, though I love that. Um, We go toward the end. Verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus did, let us go over to the other side. Now he's getting in a boat. He'd been ministering again, okay? And he had to get into a boat and stuff like that sometimes because they would crowd him so much and he would have to get in a boat to get some distance between him and the crowds that were thronging him to hear with the message, amen? Waiting to see a miracle, whatever they were doing. Whatever their motivation was. He was a sure enough drawing card. Anyway, he tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. The other side of the lake, of this sea, amen, of Galilee, okay? Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. That's him and the disciples in the boat. They head across the waters, okay? There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, a storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, he was in the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Really, he said one word, Shalom. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Oh my goodness, how would you love to see that? He said though, watch this, to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey <laughs> Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid. I think it, I think it, what is it, it says 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year, don't be afraid. That's a big theme, I would say. That means something. Everything in this Bible means something. If that's true, then it really does mean something. But anyway, I know that that's our part. The peace that we crave, that we seek, that we just can't seem to... I've been teaching this for over a decade. And I still chase my tail so often. I have to come up with little tricks. I talk to my wife about it all the time. I'm not trying to conceal it. I pray about it. I, I, it, I will do. I have to heat up a cup of coffee three times in the morning before I finish a cup of coffee, because I get distracted and I start. What do I have to do? I start working business. I, I spend time with the Lord first, and but but all around me I have my work, the ministry stuff, music, phone calls. 
emails, messages, and I'm, and I'm just going from one thing to the next. And so if I don't literally gather everything up and put it away where I can't even see it, except for the one thing that I need to work on, I will literally bounce around all day long and I just get exhausted. And that's not God. Trust me, that's, I'm off on right there when I do that. I'm not claiming it, amen, because I'm, that's not who I am. I'm uh, working on it with the Lord, with his help. But he doesn't want us to be afraid. One of my favorite scriptures, John 14, 27, he says, at that fateful night, he gave us a personal gift the night of his betrayal. He said, peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you, he said. Now this is the peace that sleeps on the cushion in the back of the boat when there's a terrible storm raging and they're about to sink. Now that's some peace right there. Peace that when they, the town that people knew you in, where you grew up, you go and you preach and they, they, they a mob gathers and they take you out to the edge of town and throw you off a cliff and you just walk right through them. And leave. <laughs> no one touches you. Amen. I like that. He didn't want us to be afraid. It's a lack of faith. He rebukes them in all three accounts. That same story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which many of the stories of the gospel are. John is kind of different. But Jesus points out their fear and lack of faith. Fear and lack of faith. Fear and lack of faith. Why, 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 why? How long? How long? How long am I going to... Why, why, why? You see, they, like we do many times, that's why we're discussing their issues, not to poke fun at them, because I say, wouldn't it have been wonderful to see that? Well, I'm afraid uh, the two really have been there because I'm afraid I would have been one of those that were fearful and afraid and uh, just God help me that I wasn't the one that said something stupid like don't you care to Jesus <laughs> but we do act that way <laughs> because we they, they assumed that a sleeping Jesus was an uncaring Jesus you see when really he wants us to enter that rest. He didn't say, let's go out to the middle and sink. He said, let's go to the other side. And in those words were the power to carry it out, you see. The provision to do what he said. You know, when he came out of the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and he was hungry and the devil came to him and tempted him and tempted him and tempted him. He could have said, boo, <laughs> get on down the road. And that, was the, that would be the word of God. And he would have done it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Everything. <laughs> but for our mercy, for, to be merciful to us, he went to the scriptures. He answered, he answered the devil all three times with scripture. The same tool that we have today. He used, it's interesting enough, the, the first five books of the Bible was the Torah. 
Leviticus is the fifth book, which is stands for grace. All three times he answered from the fifth book of the Bible. And you know how he had those five books to choose from, but he chose the fifth one, the grace. There's a picture of David and Goliath, by the way. Everything in the Old Testament is type and shadow of what has been revealed in the New. Remember what David did when he had to face Goliath? He went to the stream and he chose out five smooth stones. But he only used one. So cool. Let's go back to John and I'll be done here. Make it quick today. For a change, huh? <laughs> and I, I think I'll just carry on with this for a while and we'll, we'll talk about some more of the things that Jesus has done because I think, I think he likes that and, and because he knows that that's what we all need. Amen. To know him and to sort of see the life that if we're calling, I've been talking about us being like Christ, being coming like Christ from glory to glory, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he wants us to see what that looks like. Amen. Amen. To live as Christ. To be, he was just the first of many brethren. Amen. Six verse... Um, I'm, this is where Jesus walks on the water. I'm just going to start the 16th verse. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and sat across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. He was up, guess where? Up on the mountain praying. A strong wind was blowing. I just say that because it's important. Jesus often went apart by himself to lonely places, it says in the Bible, to pray. He would spend all night praying sometimes. And I'm not trying to set a standard or make a law of it. But listen, time alone with the Lord is imperative if you want to develop your hearing. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles... They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. He saw them struggling. He'd been up on the mountain, and he saw whether physically he could see that far, or by the Spirit, or word of knowledge. God may have given him open vision. Who knows? We know he walked in all the gifts of the Spirit. But he knew they were in trouble, and he went to help them. Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I... Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. (laughs) Struggling, working, striving, and all their strength and all their might. He gets in and they're there. They're entered rest. Amen. His finished work. Same thing, though. Fear and a lack of faith in the Creator. Why be afraid of Him? When we endure the storms of our lives, which 
How many of you have ever had a storm in your life? It's a rhetorical question. Amen. Well, let me just encourage you. Let the Lord encourage you. We don't want him to rebuke us in the same manner that he does them. <laughs> if he kept asking them the same questions, why do you keep doing this? Why so? Why fearful? Why no faith? If if that's such a big thing to him, why don't we get it? Let's get it. Let's just let's just get it and just do what the Lord says. When we endure storms, first of all, let's don't panic. When things go south, don't go with them. You know. The first sign of trouble, we don't need to fall apart like a $3 suitcase. <laughs> Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it don't get you anywhere. <laughs> we have Jesus. Don't be afraid of Him when He comes. We have Him all the time now. See, they didn't have Him all the time. That's why he said on the last night of his earthly life, he said, it's good for y'all that I'm going away. Knowing what he was about to endure. It is good, God, that I'm going. If you weren't so carnal or you weren't so natural, you would see that. That's what he told basically. Because now my Father, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. So I'll be with you all the time. I'll be in you. Your body is the temple of, of God. And in that spirit, Jesus is there all the time. The same Jesus we're talking about. There's no difference. In Him, and the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Three separate individuals. They, they're, not this, they're not one just because they're in agreement. They're one. We don't get it. Okay? But there are also three different persons. And the Holy Spirit, oh, you just, just grasp the, the, the awe and the love and respect and honor that Jesus has for the Holy Spirit. He got so upset one time when somebody, when somebody uh, said that he had a demon. He said that you're not going to be forgiven that. Because the spirit that was operating through him was the Holy Spirit. And he they criticized the Holy Spirit. He said, you can say whatever you want about the Son of Man, but don't, you talk, you, you, you don't be derogatory about the Holy Spirit. He's beautiful. He's awesome. He loves you. He's with you all the time. Amen? Amen. So we need to learn... Something that I, I I practice. I've gotten quite good at it. Even though it's very hard sometimes. Uh, is to praise him in the storm. I remember one time. Tavana and I. We got to call our baby. The only girl. Samantha. She had just moved out. Just got married. She was in a, living in an apartment. And Garrett went hunting. With his dad and brother, which was their tradition. He didn't want to go, but he did. And She was had a friend with her that she was staying uh, with her, just visiting. But they 
went to the grocery store, got some groceries, and they came home, I think, about 9 o'clock at night in that apartment, and they were robbed at gunpoint by two men. <clears throat> and they took everything they had, you know, but terrified her. And my wife and I, we got the call, and, uh, you know, I don't know how fast I can go, but we were going. My wife was driving, and... Uh, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's one of my triggers right there, that girl, you know. But, and so the tendency is to want to do harm to somebody. <laughs> um, but my wife uh, was really, really angry. And I, uh, in the car, I, I, I began to just praise God, to thank God. You know, thank thank you, Father, that she was not harmed. Thank you that she wasn't even touched. Thank you that it was only some things that were taken. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to her heart and her mind. Take away the, the scars of this fear. Don't let any demonic activity. Praise you, Lord. You're good. My wife got so mad, I could tell. She knew I was right, too. But she didn't want to go there. You see, and that's that's the thing sometimes. It's like... When we're really in the fire, you know, that's why we don't want to keep our own counsel. When we, when someone does us wrong or we really want to get mad or whatever, we want to find godly counsel, a godly friend. Don't call that one that agrees with you or used to party with you and just kind of tell you, yeah, yeah, you don't have to put up with that, that SOB, la, 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 la. That ain't the friend you want to call. Call the one that's going to say, okay, now let's just, I'm so sorry. So sorry that happened, but I'll settle down. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for that person. I'm not. Yeah, come on. That's what Jesus. We're not saying it's okay. We're giving it to God, right? Remember what the word says. Let yourself be free. You know that's a friend. That's the way to go. Praise Him in the storm. Thank Him for the past. Thank Him for the things that He has delivered you from. Thank you for the present, the things He's doing right now. And thank you for the beautiful future that He has in store for you. So much to be thankful for. Always something to be thankful for instead of focusing on the things that we don't have or the negative thing in our life. Let's focus on the good things. There's always something. You know? And that's... That's... God inhabits the praise of His people. So, so when things are terrible in the natural, why wouldn't we just praise Him like crazy? If we believe, we would. It's just unbelief. We all struggle with unbelief. I say, I have faith, but help my unbelief. That's that's a lot of a couple of times that was asked of the Lord in the Bible, and we we need the same help to help our unbelief. We need to magnify the Lord. Exalt Him. Remember, we're like a seesaw. We can't have the natural and the spiritual up at the same time. Only one end of the seesaw can be up at the same time. We're either going to magnify the Lord or we're going to magnify the devil. Situations and circumstances or the promises of God. Amen? And so it's a choice. Now, remember, you've been freed from the power of sin... And so you have nothing compelling you to agree with the devil. You have the ability within you. It's a choice now. 
to agree with God at all times. It takes practice. It takes practice. And when you do succeed, do like Jesus did. After he fed that 5,000, he went right on to pray because they were going to come and make him king by force. You know, they wanted a they wanted a military leader, a political leader, a religious leader. They wanted somebody to be on the throne of Israel. And he came for spiritual reasons to set them free. Things they really needed even more. But he didn't want those accolades. He didn't want all that. He wanted to do the will of the Father. So he withdrew from that and he went to pray. What's next, Father? What's next? What's my next assignment? Amen. We need to thank Him for everything. Magnify Him. Spend time alone with Him. Remember that He is our our friend, our brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. That's Jesus. He's our healer, our redeemer, our God, our Savior, our King. And he loves us. Amen. Amen. All right. I didn't get very far, but let's stop. It's a good word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this message today. Thank you for helping us to know you better. I feel like we've been with you a little bit today, Lord. And just like the disciples, we make some of the same mistakes they did. We're not laughing at them we just laughing because we recognize ourselves in them. And we thank you that you love them anyway and you love us too. And you're just trying to teach us and help us and grow us. Lord, I see in the Bible where it says that uh, you taught. It mentioned you teaching almost 40 times. It mentioned you preaching only about 17 times. And then preaching and teaching six times. We, we see the importance of teaching, being discipled in your word so that we can grow in our Christian life so that we will be completely helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered and help others to have the same that we have received of you. In Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen.